Welcome to C3 Church, Queens Beach. We believe Jesus Christ gives life to the full and we are called to live it and share it. We pray you enjoyed this message today. Hello, good people. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Nice work. Roddy, so good. I remember Joel as a little tacker and Duncraig High School. You're amazing, mate. Proud of you, Joel. Good man. And what's the little doovie here? I was like, it's nice. It's got the little screen going on. It's, wow, you're watching the soccer. Um, <laughs> it can do so many things at, at once. So good. Hello, everybody. Hey, it's so good to be with you here today. I want to give a shout out, even though they can't hear. Well, they can hear, but not right now what I'm saying. Uh, Pastor Nicole and Steve are true champions, and uh, we love them. They answered the call and launched this location four and a bit years ago, and here you are. And I, and I love how this room gets transformed, and, and George has been helping in that process the whole time, I think, right? And, and some of you have been a part of this uh, location since its beginning, and this room was ridiculously ugly. Uh, like seriously, where you're, you're just not sure if you even want to be in it. And it's been transformed and then painted, which has been a blessing to the school. And, and you know, it, it's a, it echoes a little about what God does in us, is, is there, are, there are parts of us that are, that are ugly and messy, and we all have mess in our lives. And and here God's people came in and made this room look better. And for us, as we open our heart and let God come in, then he takes that mess and he turns it around. And he, he takes the ugly things in us and he can turn that into beauty because he is glorious. And so as we let him be him in us and then through us, there is glory that is found in that space. And we're going to uh, leap into the word of God together. We have... One scripture that we're going to anchor in and move around and about, but Ephesians 4 verse 1, if we can pull that up, thanks guys. Ephesians 4 verse 1, and this is the Apostle Paul in his letter here that he's written to the church in Ephesus. And here we have these words that, as we think about what's being described here, as a prisoner for the Lord. And Paul literally is a prisoner at this point. He's in jail. As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you or I beg you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life or lead a life worthy of the calling you have received. There is a deep craving in the heart of humanity for purpose. That we long to have some sense of meaning that we can then outwork our lives in light of that greater meaning. It's a, it's a deep longing within us and, and doing life without a sense of meaning, doing life without a sense of call is a bit like rocking up to Bunnings <laughs> and asking for a hot dog, but then saying, oh, don't worry about the bun. 
don't worry about the sauce. Don't worry about the mustard. You can hold the sausage. I just want onions on a serviette. Could that be any more wrong? We missed out on something majestic, something <laughs> glorious that was that hot dog, and we reduced it to onions on a serviette. That's like doing life without purpose, life without meaning. We're not born for that, and we're going to talk a little bit about our call, this call that God gives to each and every one of us. So, so this morning, uh, we're going to have a look. We, we have seven observations and then one core application. So I hope you've had your double shot coffee this morning because the next 90 minutes together are going to be amazing. <laughs> amazing. That was a joke if you are not sure. It's really? Does he speak for 90 minutes? How can we sneak out? Uh, no. All good. Okay. Seven thoughts here. Number one, our call is general and specific. Our call is general and specific. We, as followers of Christ, have a general call. There is a general call that echoes out from God's heart to each and every one of us. To, to, first of all, if we're not a follower of Christ, then there's a call that comes to us to leap into the family, to repent, to turn from our old ways, to say, Jesus, you're my God, and to dive in. And then as we're in the family of God, we have this call that comes out to all of us to love God and to love others, to shine a light, to be his ambassador, to go and make disciples. That's a general call that is designed to be alive in the heart of every single follower of Christ. So we have, we have this general call, but we also have a specific call. There is a call of God that is for you and you alone. That can't be compared with anyone else's because their call's not your call. What has God called you to? In Psalm 139, we see how we are hand-knitted. We're handcrafted, each and every one of us, by the ultimate craftsman, by God himself. And he wove us together intricately, specifically, on purpose. And then we see the gifts that God's given us. And in 1 Corinthians 12 in Romans 12 and 1 Peter 4 we see there are these unique gifts these unique talents that God has woven into the fabric of who we are and so much of our specific call is woven into the gifts that God has placed inside of us and so for for you are some of those gifts something like building or baking managing or making are they thinking or throwing speaking or sewing marching or mowing? Could it be adding or aligning, saving or signing, fashioning or financing, counseling or compliancing, <laughs> teaching or timing, rhythm or rhyming? What has God put in you? Because he's put things in you on purpose. And he wants these gifts that he's put in us to be fanned into flame. And one of the best things we can do as parents is to identify the skills, the talents, the gifts that are in our kids and fan them into flame. To see those gifts 
come alive because that is, there is so much power in that place. It's actually giving glory to God as we allow the gifts He's put in us to come out and be alive and that the world could see. And ultimately, all the glory goes to Him because the gift is in us from Him. And so He's the one who gets all the glory, but not to shrink it down and play small, but that we would rise and we would shine. As He said, I want you to be like a city on a hill. I want you to shine so bright. And so as we do that and let the gifts he's put inside of us shine, then glory goes to him. I like to think of it like this. We need to maximize our upside and quarantine our downside. Again, we've talked about these gifts and passions, seeing them come alive and figuring out what those are and then pouring petrol on to those things and continually growing and expanding in that. But that's our upside. We also have a downside. There are things that we're not naturally good at. Sometimes it's wrapped in the sin basket. Sometimes it's our proclivities. Sometimes it's just the makeup of our personality. And so we can't be unaware of this space. And so we have to quarantine the damage that can do. Because it's like if you're trying to blow up a balloon, and so we're just like... You're blowing up this balloon as fast as you can. It's like maximizing your gift. And that's a good thing to blow this balloon. But if there's a hole in the balloon, the strategy for getting that balloon larger is not just to blow harder. (laughs) Or you get frustrated and puffed and a red face. And you can see people doing life sometimes, I just have to, I just have to serve harder. Or I just have to do this. And we get stuck in the... And, and sometimes you're like, well, your, your financial world isn't changing. The, the solution to that may not be giving more because maybe you're, you're giving super generously. Maybe the hole in the balloon is actually in your spending or your lack of investing or you're lazy at work. And so your earning capacity is diminished. And so stop blowing. We need to quarantine some of the downside and patch the hole in that balloon and then you don't have to blow as hard and you're going to see greater results. And so having an understanding of our upside that we can again see God fan that into flame but quarantine our downside is a whole part of this picture. So God has a call for us that is general where we're all the same. We're all called as followers of Christ to go make disciples. That doesn't shift. But then there is also a specific call that he places as well. Ephesians 4 verse 1. It's really helpful that Ephesians 4 begins after Ephesians 3. I'm grateful for how the Bible was orchestrated like that. And so Ephesians 4 verse 1, and we can never take a verse out of the Bible without looking at the context of what's around it, where it was written, and then ultimately the overall context of the Word of God. And there is safety as we do that. We find ourselves in trouble if we just take a verse out of context, then it's not actually the Word of God we're looking at, it's our Word. We've taken some words from here, but we've read our own meaning into it. And we get in trouble in that space. And so if we look at Ephesians 4.1, as a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Before we head into Ephesians 1, at the back end of chapter 3, the Apostle Paul has one of these two great prayers that he has for the church in Ephesus. In Ephesians 1, we see this, this 
great prayer and here at the back end of chapter 3. And so that is the soil that Ephesians 4 verse 1 springs out of. It's this prayer from the Apostle Paul at the back end of Ephesians 3. And I'd encourage you, if you've never done this before, do a little study on these two prayers particularly if you want to be in leadership and understand leadership, whether it's in a church or a marketplace setting, that you can understand the the headspace of an incredible leader and his priorities and what he is praying for these people who he is leading. And so at the back end here of of chapter 3, the Apostle Paul says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being grounded and established in love, I pray that you, being grounded and established in love, may have the power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love, to know this love, that this love would not be a concept, but it would be known. A part of who we are to know this love that surpasses knowledge, mind-blowing, goes beyond what we can even understand, that you then be filled with a measure of all the fullness of God. And it goes on, to him who is able, etc. I want us to understand that our call is grounded in his love, and his power. Ephesians 4 verse 1 springs out of the back end of Ephesians chapter 3. Your call, my call, is grounded in his love. I pray that you being grounded and established in love may have power. That's what we have just read. And that is, again, the soil condition that our call grows out of. So that deep in our heart, we know I am loved by God. His love for me flows and does not stop. You know, we have to remind ourselves sometimes, God loved you before you did anything for Him. Before you served Him once before you gave to him at all he loved you before he loved you before you stuffed up he loved you after you stuffed up his love is so much bigger and broader and deeper than that it's not based upon our human definitions of love it's not as small as how we would take this this grand concept of love that god created because it's who he is And we reduce it to the size of our human understanding. And so instead of reducing his love, we need to allow him again to open our minds so we see his love how he sees it. That his love is alive in us. Because when you know I am loved, there is a confidence that stirs in us. And when we let God in to stir in our heart, I am loved, then there is a security that we feel where I go, the king of all kings, the creator of all things, he loves me. He chose me. And he wants his power alive in my life where this connection with God isn't some ethereal, abstract concept. It's not some just knowledge base, but it is power in my today. 
there is a strength in me that goes beyond me that is in him. And that is where he wants us to walk. So our call is grounded in his love and his power. Number three, number three, call and comfort are rarely friends. Dope. (laughs) Call and comfort are rarely friends, and that's R-A-R-E-L-Y, not R-E-A-L-L-Y. Rarely friends, in case my Kiwi accent just... (laughs) Well, the pastor said call and comfort are really friends. They're, They're really good. No, they're not friends. And I think it's helpful for us to be reminded the Apostle Paul is writing this from jail. Here's someone who's sold out everything to the call of Christ. Given everything to see the church begin to flourish and blossom around the world. And when difficulty hits, he doesn't crumble. He doesn't blame God. He doesn't blame others. He doesn't blame himself or the church or the just get lost in this. It's all the government's fault or the whatever. There is no iota of blame or self-pity or feeling sorry for himself, but he's utilizing that time to do whatever he can. So I can't be with the church in Ephesus, but I can sure write a letter to them. And this is a letter filled with faith and hope and courage, and he's writing from jail. You and I face circumstances where it feels like we're locked in jail, where things didn't work the way we thought, where Paul wants to be with this church and he's prevented and then prevented and he makes a plan and it doesn't work and he's prevented. He doesn't get all bent out of shape. And we need to be reminded because this journey of following God is not comfortable. It's not a snuggie, a spa. Yeah, it has moments where you get to wear your snuggie. Don't wear it in the spa. That's just strange call and comfort are rarely friends and part of the challenge for us is is expectations establish the boundaries for disappointment expectations establish boundaries for disappointment if you come into marriage expecting a certain thing but your spouse doesn't understand that then you're going to live in a world of frustration because you're expecting something they don't even know they need to be delivering If we come to God and we make our connection with God based on something that's not in here, then we're going to be frustrated with him because we think he should be doing something that he's never said he was going to do. And so I I see Christians and I have to struggle, like continually get myself out of this place because with our comfortable Western mindset, we make this connection where it's like we feel, God, if I do some things for you, you're going to make my life better. Like if I, if I do some of the God stuff over here and I tick some religious boxes, you're going to make my life nicer and I'm going to have blessings and it's going to be wonderful. And th- there is an element of truth to that, but it's not the whole truth. We've got a part of the truth, but we're missing a whole other part of the truth. And even how God's wired us psychologically, that, that we are built that our optimal performance zone is outside of our comfort zone. That there's no Olympian who lives in the comfort zone and achieves at the top level. 
It, you can't because you're continually stretching your comfort zone. And this is how God's created humanity. And so the same for us. So in our following him, in the outworking of our call, in the growing of our gifts and talents, there is the necessity for us to be continually pushing against our comfort zone. And if we find ourselves living in a place of comfort, it's probably more a signal that we're out of the call of God as opposed to in it. And so if our measure for my connection with God is going really well, if I'm comfortable, is a false measure. I, I live my life uncomfortable. And you've got to learn to love it. I was the kid who hated public speaking more than anyone. The worst person on a microphone in my whole class that I have this blushing problem well I don't anymore but I certainly used to where I would have to do anything in public just sitting in class and you know you have to go around take turns reading things out of the book it's like a nightmare and not I can't I, I was useless at reading and I can't focus enough to read and then I, I just saying things out loud so I would just anything public I would go Poof, my face would go bright red Poof like just and glowing, beaming, and you can see I've got special little flat ears. They would be like these, these sonar beacons that, whoo, whoo, and so, and you can, you know when you feel you, you've gone red? And then you're thinking about, I'm red, aren't I? They can see, they can see that I'm red. And it's just, oh, it's a, and that's the kid that God calls to live his life speaking. So, So we've got to get comfortable living uncomfortable. And yes, we have to know how to run hard, and then we know, have to know how to rest well. So I love the fact that Pastor Steve and Nicole, they run hard. They go super hard, but now they're having a beautiful rest because it's not just about running hard for a short season, but for a long season, that we want them fruitful through their 50s, through their 60s, through their 70s, etc. So the Apostle Paul here, uh, who's alive in his call and his purpose, but we see in, in 1 Thessalonians 2.9, he says, Surely you remember our toil and our hardship. Beauty. Who wants to sign up? Romans 12.12, 12, Be patient in affliction in your pain or distress. In 2 Corinthians 4, 8 and 9, come on, let's get, let's get excited as we, as we read this. We are hard pressed on every side, but we're not crushed. We're perplexed. Here's, a, here's one of the most amazing men of God that's ever lived. And there are elements where he's going, I'm perplexed. I don't understand, but God, my lack of clarity is not going to stop me serving you. I'm going to keep diving into who you are because we're never going to figure this out. The moment we think we've got our entire journey figured out, we've either reduced God to some really small being or we've enlarged ourselves far greater than we should be. I'm perplexed, but I'm not in despair. I'm persecuted, but I'm not abandoned because he's with me. We're struck down, but we're not destroyed. Call and comfort are rarely friends. Such an uplifting message <laughs> today. My wife, Em, is preaching at HH on suffering, so at least I didn't, didn't bring the suffering message. But we, look, we need to hear all parts of the picture, don't we? Number four. Number four. I love, the, again, the words of the Apostle Paul here. As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you. I beg you. If he was here today, he'd want to look us in the eye and say, come on, man, I beg you. I 
beg you, live a life worthy of your call. It's, it's going to be the most extraordinary adventure. I beg, we beg for things that really matter. This really matters. Your call really matters. The call of God for each of us, it really matters. And there's this begging, this urging here. Number five, my call is interwoven with those around me. My call is interwoven with those around me. As we continue reading chapter four, we go straight into relationship advice. As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have, have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. You only have to bear with someone if it's difficult. So the Apostle Paul says, I want you to live a life worthy of the call. There's a great call of God that has come into your world. I want you to hear it, know it, live in that place. And you're going to do it in community. You've got you to do it. You, you need each other. You're going to drive each other nuts, but you need each other. And so be united. Join together. Bear with, make every effort to keep the unity. This is verse 3 of chapter 4. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. And then goes on talking about this is one body that we're called to be a part of. We need each other. The call of God comes in community. It's outworked in community. We're shaped by those around us. And, and John Finkeldy, who led our church before I did him and his wife die for 20 years, he's got this, this statement, again, because we can take elements of truth and miss a bigger truth that it's a part of. So something like, your destiny is in Christ is truth. Your destiny is in Christ, but it's not the full truth. Your destiny is in Christ in others. Everything here, as we see the early church launching and, and right back to the very origins, it's a relational frame. We're called to do life together that we need each other. And so if it's just me trying to figure out my call with God, separate to a relational context, then it's going to be skewed and I'm going to miss part of it. And there have been incredible turning point moments in my life where God has spoken and shifted. I was running a business and got called out of that business. Was Other times I was a high school chaplain and got called out of that to run a business. And, and major turning point moments, God's always used people around to either be a part of the inception of the idea or to bring the clarity as to whether it's the, the right call of God to respond to. We need each other. Let's do this together. Number six. Number six. My call has a seasonal shape. My call has a seasonal shape. You know, the, the call to Jesus looked different before he touched down on planet Earth, God with skin. It looked different in his younger years as he grew as a child. The call to Jesus, it, it looked different post-30 as he began his three years of ministry on planet Earth. The call to Jesus, it looks different now as he's sitting at the right hand of the Father. It's the same essence, but it's a seasonal outworking. Think about David in the scriptures, the 
The call to him, it looked different when he was the shepherd boy looking after the sheep. It looked different as he brought the food into his brothers at the battle. It looks different as he, as he steps into the battle. It looks different as he becomes king. It looks different as he's a husband and a father. It's the same essence, but it's got a seasonal shape. And we've got to be aware that if we lock ourselves in and for guys and work, this is where we can get stuck, that we can attach so much of our call into that work zone. And so my call is for this, for now, and we get rigid. And then if that ever changes, we, we feel lost. Oh, I don't know who I am. I, I don't know. And so that's a, it's a season, seasonal expression of our call, but there's a deeper essence to it that we've got to figure out. It's like for, for mums, you may be cutting it up in the marketplace and, and feeling alive in business and then you have kids and we're out of that space and you're at home with these little babies and, and it's not like, oh, I had a great call of God here and now I don't have time for it because I'm raising my children. <laughs> it's, there's a seasonal shape and I mean, could there be any greater call than raising those kids in that moment but it looks different and so there's a flex and and so we have to think the call of God it looks different through different seasons it has a seasonal shape it looks different as you're a student it looks different than if you're working 60 70 hours forging into that career space or building that business it looks different as a family with young kids it looks different as you're maybe battling a major illness that that has come into into your world or into your family's world it looks different post-retirement the call of God has a seasonal shape, but we have to remember you are never more or less called. You are called full stop. Or probably better, you are called exclamation mark. Maybe even a few of them, which really annoys my wife. She's an English teacher. You only need one. One is sufficient. No, sometimes you just need many. A plethora of... Just use language that frustrates her. <laughs> Your call has a seasonal shape. And so what's the call of God to you in this season? This season right now. What's the call? What does this call sound like, feel like? How is it outworked for the greatest fruitfulness in, in this season right now? Not the season that was. Is there a mute? Yeah. It's that, this little thumb. Rotate microphone. Seasonal shape. What's his call for you right now? How are we doing? All righty. Let me, uh, we're going to skip over one of the points and, and we're going to come straight to, straight to the finale here. Um, this is our core application that's tied in with our, with our final point. I am captured by his call as I'm captured by the words of the caller. I'm captured by his call as I'm captured by the words of the caller. And so much of our call, so much of his call to us is found here. And with so much happening in our world and so many things vying for our attention, making space to dive into this is a challenge. 
a challenge for all of us. And space, not just to, to dive in, to tick a religious box. Yep, I read my Bible for five minutes today. Or, I, I, yep, I read a scripture, and so, whew, I'm, I'm good to go. But diving in to find out who God is, because as we discover Him more and more, we then discover ourselves more and more. And I want you to imagine you walk outside these doors, not right now, because we're not finished, uh, in... <laughs> In a little while, you walk outside these doors and someone says to you, I, I bought a rabbit, a pet rabbit. It's so cute. His ears are so fluffy. And, and just picture those soft, fluffy ears that you rub and they're fluffy. It's got a little puffy little tail thing. And it's, a, it's a beautiful rabbit, but I lost it. I lost it out there. It's this little kid. Maybe they're crying. Just picture that little kid weeping. <laughs> I don't know why. Don't, you don't have to picture that. So out there, okay, that, that happened. Little rabbits out there somewhere. So I want you to imagine now you, you walk outside these doors and you're, you're looking for the rabbit. So as you're, and if you've been coming to this church for a while, you've walked outside there quite a bit. Now imagine if you're looking for the rabbit, you're going to be looking in a way you've never looked before. So you walk out those doors and you'll be seeing, noticing things you've never noticed before. You may have walked through there 10 times, 50 times, 100 times. You're going to see things you've never seen. Why? You, it's the same place you've walked. What, what's different about this is you're searching for something. You're searching for something. When we come to this, if we just come like we always have, and the longer we've been a Christian, the easier it is to just kind of read through this thing. And then we read all of our frustrations or filters or whatever's that we've kind of got going on in our world. The, the critical element as we come to the Word of God is having a seeking frame. Seeking frame. You see, as we're going out looking for that little rabbit, we're seeking. We're looking. And so we're looking at the same place differently because we're seeking as we come to the Word of God, as we would seek for Him. The Bible says, seek and you will find. The opposite of that is don't seek and you won't find. So if we come to the Bible without a seeking frame, then we're not going to find squat. But as we come with a seeking frame, a seeking disposition, God, I want to find you. I want to discover you. I want more of you. Then as we come with this, then this book comes alive like we can never even imagine. Where you could just sit, and I literally, I sat for one day in Ephesians 4 verse 1. As I was weighing up, basically, to be really honest, do I still want to be a pastor? God, what is my call? Not the call that was. I know I needed to step into this place, but in the next season, should I stay here? Should I go back to business? I was kind of going, please, God, say yes. Uh, but God, I want to do what you want. And I, I spent a whole day in Ephesians 4 verse 1, just meditating on the word, going deeper and deeper and deeper. And there's, there's four little words for us. So replay. And if you ever watch sport, you know when they do the slow motion replay? And so these, if you're watching tennis, there was the ball in or out. And so they zoom in and, and, and see, it was, was it in or out? Was, was it a try? Was, it, you know, was that a wicket? Any sport, the, the slow motion replay, it zooms right in. So with the Word of God, we, we can do the same. We zoom right in. And so as 
as a prisoner and then thinking about prisoner for the Lord. It's a, he's a prisoner for the Lord. He's not just a prisoner for no reason, but it's for, and, and you, can, you can just dive so deep and you can replay it and look. And as we come to the word and as we replay it and zoom right in, then we have this seeking disposition and we can find God in his word. And as we find him, then we become more alive in our call. If we try and find what we're called to without connection to the caller, then we're going to find ourselves. But our call is in connection with our caller and we get to know our caller one of the most critical ways is in his word. And so I want to finish with, uh, with just a little, I don't know if it's a poem. It's certainly not a rap. Uh, but I, I'm a little bit cheesy. I like rhyming things. And so we're just going to go on this little rhyming adventure together. And so this is, this is pointing us. So we are called, you are called, uniquely called by God. And I want us each of us to discover what that is in this season and dive in. And so much of that will be found in the Word of God. And so to dive in and, and replay the Word, to zoom in, to replay it, and then to say it, to speak it out loud, to find something we can say over ourselves or speak in a conversation. So replay, say, and then to pray His Word and pray it into our world and pray it over our world, over our children, over our business, over to... to replay say pray and then we step out and obey and if God calls us to do something then that's where the power is in that point of obedience so replay pray say obey this is all about the word of God because it's like a doorway a gateway a freeway a super highway the word of God is better than a frappe or horseplay your favorite pj or a fancy soiree to read his word. I don't need no CPA, no MBA, no clearance from the NSA. Jesus is my resume. My debt, he did pay. He's the one who makes a way. I will be a protege of the master sensei and take hold of his supernatural communique. What do you say? What? I actually missed one. What do you say, hombre? So <laughs> let the Word of God be more fun than doing the YMCA. Let it blow off your toupee. Let it fill you with agape. So come on, let's dine again in the exquisite buffet. Let a passion burn bigger than the Milky Way. I rally strength in my soul and say, I will not be blasé. I will not hide away, disobey, or leave your words for another day. I will not sway, stray, get all doomsday, downplay, or be led astray. Those doubts I will slay. Those excuses, flame and go away. Because they sound so cliche. The Bible, I will replay, pray, say, and obey. Your word, Lord, awakens my call today and every day. And when they watch my life on replay, they'll not see me living halfway, but making headway because my seeking you is here to stay. Can I get a hooray? For the great Yahweh. Oh.
Thank you, Jesus. And just before I hand back to Pastor Eden. Whew, that was fun. I like that. Was this, is this one for me? Yeah, beautiful. Thank you. Mm. Anyone else? Uh, we like to share. Before, before I hand back, I was, I was 19 when I said yes to Jesus. I knew about him long before that. I grew up in church. But I wanted to kind of just have Jesus in a safe place and Jace running the show. And it doesn't work. It's not how this is designed to work. The creator of the universe doesn't want to be locked up on the shelf. It's not where he belongs. He belongs on a throne. And there's a place in our heart that determines who's going to be boss. Is it me? Is it money? Is it reputation? Is it what? We all put something there. Is it sport? Is it business? We put different things on. Is it popularity? Is it fitting in? Different things kind of seated on, seated on that throne. And this crazy invitation comes to each and every human, comes from God saying, I'm happy to come sit on that throne in your heart. I'll be your God. And I'm going to be with you every moment. I'm going to set within you a peace that you know that when your eyes close for the final time on planet earth, that you're going to be with me for eternity in heaven. And that's where your ultimate hope will be. But I'm going to walk with you every day on planet earth. But it's a choice. A choice we make, a choice I struggled with and, and then finally made at 19 where I said, Jesus, okay, come and be my God. Forgive me for all the junk, all the, all the mess the stuff that I've done that I shouldn't. And come and sit on the throne and be my God. And so 23 years later, I have never been more in love with my God. I've never been more excited about serving Him, about figuring out this call that He gives to me and how that can help others. And if you haven't started that journey Man, let's make that step today because this is what you were born for. There is a purpose that God wants to have beating in the heart of our, right in the center of our heart. He doesn't force it in. We've got to open the door and say, hey, God, yeah, come and be my God. Can I ask you just to close your eyes just where you are? If you've never made this decision to say, Jesus, come and be my God. This morning could be that moment for you. And with everything in me, I'd encourage you to say yes to him and start this journey. It's a journey. It doesn't stop. Making this decision isn't reaching some destination and now it's kind of all sorted, God thing sorted. No, it's, it's opening a journey. It's, like, it's similar to like a, a, a marriage day isn't the end of a relationship. Really, it's the beginning of a whole glorious reality. And, and this journey with Jesus, there is no end because he is just so expansive and glorious and he wants to come and 
take you on this journey with him. So if you've never made that decision this morning, just even where you're seated right now, just say, okay, God, I'm in, just in your heart. Yeah, I'm in. Maybe you've made this decision before. You've said yes to Jesus, but, but you know there's a lot of other things that you've said yes to as well. And maybe you've got like a, the throne in your heart. It's got room. It's, it's got a bit of room for God, but then a bit of room for this and a bit of room for that. And that's not how it works. And so maybe today, this is your moment to say, Jesus, yes, be my God, for real, for real. I'm in, I'm in. And so just go ahead, make that decision if that's you this morning. Yep, I'm in. Maybe you're a little unsure. Maybe you've kind of made this decision before, but you don't have a clarity in your heart that, yeah, you're really loved by God. That yes, there is a call for you. Yes, your eternity is secure in heaven. Maybe you're just you're unsure. You, you want to kind of be sure today. Then that's okay as well. Make a decision again saying, yes, Jesus, I'm in. I'm in. And if this, if this is you, if you, you're making a decision to say yes for the first time, or you're coming home, or you just, you really need to be sure today. In just a moment, in just a moment, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. I'll see it. I'll acknowledge your hand and then you can place it down again. I'm not going to embarrass you or get you down the front. I just want you to own this decision today. Yes, I am in. I'm opening the door to my heart. I say, come in, God. Come and be my God. If that's you, you're saying yes to Jesus. Just where you're seated right now in this beautiful moment. Just go ahead. Just lift your hand. Awesome. Thank you. God bless you down the front here. Just lift your hand. I'll see it. Acknowledge it. You can place it down again. Who's saying yeah? Yeah, that's me. That's me. Anyone else who needs to say, yes, my heart's yours, God. Come and be my God for real today. Is there someone else today as we come to pray together? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. What we're going to do now is while your eyes are closed, those who raise their hand and all the rest of us, I want us to say these words out loud after me. Make it your prayer this morning. Here we go. Father God, I thank you for Jesus, for his perfect life, his death on the cross in my place. I give you my life today. I turn from my past and my sin and I turn to you. Come and be my God. Fill me with your love. Fill me with your peace and help me do this life with you as my Lord. I'm following you. Let your call come alive in me. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Beautiful. Can we celebrate together this morning? Thanks so much for joining us today on this podcast. We encourage you to let this word further help you live and share the life to the full that Jesus gives. If you want to check out more of our upcoming events, service times, locations, or to give online, head to c3hh.com.au forward slash give. 